Hello and welcome to the Baby Knit Podcast, where we lift the lid on breastfeeding and tell you what it's really like. I'm your host, Ruth, founder of the online breastfeeding magazine, boobingit.com, and proud mama of two. On each episode, I'll be joined by a special guest to have meaningful conversations about breastfeeding and digging deep on those issues and topics that matter most to you. So let's get on with the show. Did you know breastfeeding for the first year takes approximately 1,800 hours? To compare, a full-time job with three weeks holiday is 1,862 hours. So in summary, breastfeeding is a full-time job. It's important to make your time breast or bottle feeding your baby as comfy and supportive as possible to limit short and long-term aches and pains. Rest easy with El Tuto's range of nursery chairs that are designed to make this stage and beyond as comfortable and supportive as possible. With their swivel bases and gliding features, armrests to the right height to support your baby and high and cushioned backrests, their range will certainly help you soothe your tired body during those long nights with your new baby. Until the 25th of December, L22 is giving our audience a massive 20% off their premium comfy nursery chairs. Use code BOOB20 at ltuto.co.uk. That's I-L-T-U-T-T-O.co.uk. Today, I'm delighted to be sitting down with Alice Luckin. Alice is an infant feeding specialist and lactation consultant, specializing in supporting families with unsettled babies and infant feeding challenges. Today, we're going to talk about low milk supply, the common causes for low milk supply, the signs to look out for, and ways in which you can boost your milk supply for the successful continuation of breastfeeding. Alice will also address the common misconceptions around milk supply. Alice, there are many breastfeeding mamas who worry about their milk supply and if they are producing enough for their baby. Why do you think it's such a common concern? You're right. This is a this is a really common concern. In fact, um, we know from infant feeding surveys that have gone in the past that it's one of the most common reasons mums give about uh, moving on from breastfeeding is the concern they had that they weren't producing enough milk. So it's absolutely a concern for very many mums. Um, and I think I think some of the reasons they're multifaceted. I think often it's about the responsibility, the responsibility you feel as the parent who's feeding your baby to make sure that your baby's getting milk and how we um, can see and understand how that works. So you know, if you can visually see something and it going into your baby, it's like a security. Oh, great. That's gone in. And we don't see that with breastfeeding. You can't see the physical transfer of milk. And this sort of then comes back to how we're taught and educated and the culture around us about understanding breastfeeding and having the confidence about knowing what you're looking for to um, know it's working well and not. Um, I think yeah, a lot of it comes back to our understanding of, of what breastfeeding is, how it works, knowing when it's successful, knowing when it's not successful. And I think probably also just years and years of a subliminal message of undermining the confidence we have in our bodies working. So, you know, if if you if you don't breastfeed, this is how you can you know, feed your baby. And so, so regularly when I speak to mums, one of the questions they always say is, well, 
if I can't breastfeed or if it doesn't work, should I get some bottles just in case? And I think, you know, excellent marketing to put that thought before you've even started that if you fail, here's another way to do it. And yeah, absolutely. There, there are other ways to feed babies and you make a choice about what you want to do. But yeah, it's it's a lot of responsibility and pressure and combined with maybe not the right knowledge or confidence in ourselves that it will work. Yeah, I, I... A hundred percent about the the confidence, especially, and I think it's something that 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 um, worry about not having enough milk definitely plagues first time mummies mm-hmm. because they've not done it before. Yeah. Like you say, they're getting all these subliminal messages. Like even mm-hmm. whenever I was pregnant with my first, I remember, um, you know, expressing my wish to breastfeed just to my work colleagues, to friends, and the the ones that already had children were like, "But Ruth, don't beat yourself up if you can't do it." And that was mm-hmm. the first time I thought. Ooh, not negatively but I was like oh I just thought I'd do it you know I had this confidence and I put down my confidence to the fact that my mum had breastfed mm. me and my brother and I just grew up knowing this fact she didn't mm. tell me about how amazing breastfeeding was but I knew that my mum had breastfed me for a year she breastfed my brother for a year and for me it was just something that I was going to mm. do and she certainly never put any doubt in my head you know it was just almost assumed and there's something lovely that comes with that because I had this confidence but then it wasn't until I started expressing my wish to other people then that negative aspect started to creep in mm. going oh well what if I can't yeah um, but I mm. yeah but I kept the confidence I, I wasn't one of those people that brought bottles into the hospital I just had this I was very like one you know one track mind this is going to work I'm going to make it work you know no matter what but of mm. course mm. you know we hear so many of the mummies and boobing it it's a real concern for them throughout pregnancy and then in those early days and weeks so um it, it's something definitely that's on mm. people's minds so tell us about the common causes for low milk supply and what those signs are to look out for Okay, so I guess the key the key thing here is that low milk supply is really what that means is when your milk production isn't sustaining normal infant weight gain, despite you being able to you've got all the appropriate feeding things in place because breastfeeding works on demand and supply. So when in theory, so when your baby feeds you make milk. So the more your baby feeds, the more milk you'll make. The less your baby feeds, the less milk you you make. And what often happens is actually what we call a perceived low milk supply. That as a mum, you you think you haven't got enough milk. You think um, some of the behaviours that your baby is displaying could mean that you, you haven't got milk. So babies that are maybe fussing, babies that are feeding feeding frequently um you know that again like you said that subliminal message when somebody says oh are are they feeding again didn't you just feed them it really sows a seed in your mind of oh should I be feeding them again does this mean they're not getting enough milk and so in many many cases actually it's a perceived uh, low milk supply we think we haven't got enough milk and we know that actually only around five percent with the research that we got at the moment, but about 5% of women have a medical or a surgical reason for not being able to produce enough milk. So we're kind of designed to be able to feed our babies. We're, we're mammals. But what often happens is 
there are other things that get in the way. So there can be what we call like a primary cause. So maybe um, an issue for mum with her glandular tissue. So the glandular tissue in your breast is where the milk cells sit. And so if you haven't got much glandular tissue, and this has got nothing by the way to do with the size of your breasts, big boobs don't equal more milk, small boobs doesn't mean you're not gonna make enough. It's all down to how much glandular tissue you've got. And for some women, not hugely common, but for some women, it might be if you haven't got much glandular tissue, your body's ability to make a copious milk supply and store that milk supply might be might be a little bit less. But that's not hugely common. Um, there can be um, hormonal reasons. You know, if your thyroid hormone um, is low, if um, you've got retained placenta, because the progesterone hormone that's in the placenta overrides the prolactin hormone, that prolactin hormone is the chef hormone that makes your milk. So if it's being overridden after your baby's delivered, it just might not help you create a good milk supply. So there are some reasons like that that can cause you to have a low milk supply. In most cases, this comes down to um, ineffective or infrequent feeding. And what we know about sort of milk supply is it's really important that when your baby uh, arrives and your um, baby goes to your chest, you've got like a few weeks really to really set up your milk supply. It's like a factory. But what you want to do is um, when that placenta is delivered and that progesterone hormone is gone, you've got that sudden change in hormones and your body then is starting to ramp up. Right. I need to start to make milk for my baby. And you want to train all the staff in that factory that their job is to make milk. So prolactin are like your little staff members and they need to um, get all of their jobs right to help you make enough milk. And that first few weeks after your baby's born is the time where the more you feed, the more skin to skin you have with your baby, the more effective feeding is, the more milk you remove, the better those staff in the factory know what they're doing. And then your milk supply will regulate a little bit better to what your baby needs. So if your baby doesn't need quite as much milk as you're making, you can just send a few staff to the restroom and they can have a break and it will just downregulate production. If baby suddenly needs a bit more because they're having a growth spurt, if they're unsettled and want to go to the breast a bit more, they feed a bit more and that sends the message, we need to up production, so let's make some more. And the setting up bit is so, so important. So in those early days, what's really key for making a good milk production is what we call early, frequent and effective feeding. So it's about where you possibly can getting a breastfeed in as soon as possible when your baby's born within that sort of first hour after your baby's born or expressing in that time. Sometimes things that happen at birth are a bit out of our control, aren't they? If baby's unwell and needs to um, have some intervention, then of course, you know, baby's got to be looked after. But in an ideal world, that uninterrupted skin to skin, allowing baby to find the breast and have that first feed is brilliant for helping set up your milk supply. And then the frequency of the feeding. And I think this is definitely one of the, the things where um, it can be quite overwhelming, just how frequently new babies feed, but their tummies are tiny and they need little and often. And breast milk is the perfect product it's designed for your baby and so it's digested very quickly within an hour all of that milk has really been digested and so it's not unusual for newborn babies to probably want to feed every single hour and um, that does get better it doesn't continue to necessarily look like that throughout your feeding journey but in those early days the more frequently they're feeding the more they're training those prolactin hormones to set up your milk supply really well 
And then the other thing I think is so key here is about effective feeding. And that is really difficult sometimes for you to to tell as a new mum, is, is my baby feeding well or not? So it's about understanding what are the signs that show my baby's feeding well? What am I looking out for? And absolutely, how can I get skilled support to, to look at this? It's not just about, yep, the latch looks great, you're away. It is about how well your baby's feeding. Are they effectively transferring milk? What's their output like? So we're talking wet and dirty nappies. Are they increasing and looking like they should? Do you feel like your milk supplies um, increasing? Is your baby content after a feed? And that can be quite tricky to tell if you've got a baby that's bit jaundice in the early days they're quite sleepy and so they can go to the breast and fall asleep quite quickly and we think that they fed and they've come off and they'll look they're content and full everybody says my baby should be content after a feed but a sleepy baby is quite different to a full content milk drunk baby so yeah it's about skilling these mums to know this is what we're looking for this is what this is what this looks like yeah I think that last point about uh, the sleepy baby you know I certainly had my sleepy baby she was really small when she was born and she just wanted to sleep all the time and then when she suddenly did you know start to have more awake moments it was just feed 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 and I was knocked for six you know in, the, in those first week I think she could have went a long periods without feeding but I knew at the time and um, that I needed to wake her for feeds mm. and that was the tricky thing and then most recently I um my cousin gave birth and she had a really sleepy baby and baby had a bit of jaundice and she just kept falling asleep at the boob and it was uh, she just could we tried so many different things to wake baby up and it was really really hard work mm. so you can imagine then the anxiety starts to creep in especially if your baby's already born small and they're sleepy and you're like oh my goodness can't um, and then then that's when you start to think, maybe I need to give her a bottle. Yeah, and that definitely does creep in. And that comes from all angles as well. You've got it internally as a mum, that pressure, that responsibility. I need to feed my baby. Uh, you've got it from, from actually a lot of the professionals that are around you. We, they very much focus on weight. And that's such an important piece of information. It is an absolutely crucial part of the puzzle, but it's not the be all and end all. And there's lots of other bits of information that can tell us how well breastfeeding is going or not going. And so a normal, it's normal physiological physiology for babies to lose weight after they're born. 7% of a baby's birth weight is all fluid. They've been swallowing amniotic fluid inside. Their lungs are full when they are born and they do that first cry. All of that fluid is then pushed out into the tissues. Those poor little kidneys are then got to excrete it. They've got a big job to do. And so the moving of that fluid they're going to lose they're going to lose weight and those early days your colostrum is not in big volumes absolutely on purpose because babies don't know how to control the flow of milk they've got to practice suck swallow breathe they don't want to be overloading the kidneys that are already doing that big job and their tummies are tiny so it's totally designed that way but then when we weigh babies and you see a loss of course you see that as a, I, I'm not doing a good job. I must not be feeding my baby. My baby's not gaining weight. And so, yeah, jaundice, sleepy babies are really tricky to deal with. And sometimes I think as professionals, we, um, we arrive, oh, how's everything? How's the baby feeding? Is the feeding going well? How on earth do you know really as a new mum? Yes, feeding's going well. Yes, they're latching. Yes, it's comfortable. They're on, they're feeding eight times a day. We tick a box, great. But actually that's just a, the tip of the iceberg of the information we need. We want to know, like, can you hear swallowing after day five, you know, when your milk's in? What are the wet and dirty nappies like? And I can always remember this, um, 
really early on with a friend that I had that I said to her, oh, you know, is your baby weeing? Are they are they weeing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Loads of wet nappies, loads of wet nappies. And they had all sorts of feeding issues. Um, and as those things were being uh, addressed and feeding got better, I can remember saying, oh, my gosh, now I know what you meant when you asked, did she have a heavy wet nappy? I thought it was. I thought that meant a heavy wet nappy. She was weeing. They were wet. We changed them. But oh my goodness, isn't it different? And it really is. There's a big difference between a little bit of wee in a nappy and a heavy wet nappy. And so I always make a point of saying to a family, one of the things you can do is put four tablespoons of water into a dry nappy. Feel it. What does that feel like? That is what we mean when we say a heavy wet nappy. And after day five, we would be wanting five or six heavy wet nappies like that a day to tell us that your baby's getting milk because what goes in has got to come out. And that's a really great indicator of knowing how well your baby's feeding. Yeah, that's so good. That's such good information to know because, you know, the books that you read, they talk about the the wet nappies, but yeah, what constitutes it? What are we talking about here? If it's a little bit of just a tiny Mm. little bit. And you know, some parents, especially with their first, they're like changing the baby's nappy, the first sign of the blue line that might appear on the on some of the nappies to show that they've had some wetness. But that could just be like the tiniest amount. Yeah. And they're taking yeah. that as, you know, a good sign. But yes, yeah. yeah, but yes, I know it's so true. Whenever, whenever baby is, um, you know, feeding well from the breast, those heavy nappies, I mean, it's such a, it's such a wonderful sight as mm. well. It gives you so much confidence yeah. in that. And poo, I guess we should talk about here really, is another really good sign of knowing how, you know, breast feeding is going is that in the early days you know that meconium black sticky tar like poo totally normal and they should at least have their bowels open on that first day and you're looking for a change so as you get to sort of day three day four that black sticky poo should be coming darker brown poo and really by day five we want yellow nappies you know like you really don't want to eat curry for a while (laughs) as a new parent because that's all you're seeing in the nappy but you're looking for change of color more frequent so yeah by day five or six really best fed babies should be giving you at least two poos a day often I think it's more than that as a good sign that that uh, feeding is going well but it's a way of yeah understanding um that when you're being asked those questions how's feeding going what are we what are we measuring and I think um we need to probably mention here as well about common causes of low milk supply really are um a baby not transferring that milk effectively so things like oral dysfunction tension, tone, uh, tongue tie will impact how a baby is able to transfer milk at the breast. And um, they could be going frequently to the breast and you say, yep, yep, they're feeding at least eight times in 24 hours and they're on. Um, But are they taking the milk that they need when they're they're there? And the output helps us tell that, like how full you feel before a feed. Does it feel like there's less milk after a feed? And yes, those signs of contentment in your baby. So they should Um, be awake and alert when they're feeding their eyes are open when they're transferring milk or does your baby fall asleep quite quickly does that sucking can you see that longer deeper sucks regular sucking or are they doing lots of little sucks quite quickly and seeming to be falling asleep at the breast there's there's difference there's um yeah there's a way of really getting to the crux of what's going on so that we can identify those things early because it does matter it does matter that in those first few weeks we can help you establish a really good supply and so we need to pick up on potential issues quickly so that we can help you to protect your milk supply because if baby's not feeding very well we can replicate that by expressing or pumping 
If you're separated from your baby, your baby's sleepy, we can help them do the job of establishing a good supply so it's there when they when they're ready. Yeah. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about good breastfeeding support. It's so crucial in those early days. It's so important and to protect that, to encourage that milk supply and then to protect that milk supply as well. Mm. And and our, our last podcast episode was all about mixed feeding, you know, um, combining formula with breast yep. milk, which can be a wonderful way to feed your baby if it's a necessary or be, mm-hmm. you know, a lifestyle choice. But, you know, I think a lot of us, are, you know, we're quick to introduce a bottle of formula uh, whenever maybe we don't see that weight gain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and that can be fine, but we have to be aware of the milk supply, as you say, yeah. the demand and mm-hmm. supply, your breasts as factories, mm-hmm. as you so well put it. Mm-hmm. And if we are going to do that, then we have to think, well, how am I going to maintain my milk supply if I want yeah. exclusively breastfeed? Yeah. And if I'm going to give a bottle of formula to help increase weight in the short term, then I probably need to be expressing milk to stimulate yeah. the breasts. for that missed feed yeah and there's lots of there's lots of times that actually expressing is really important so if your baby is born early and you're separated from your baby it's it's much harder to establish milk supply without all the the natural hormones floating around and if your baby is in you know uh, a medical environment away from your body your hormones are going to respond to that your stress levels are up it's much harder to uh, stimulate that prolactin and there's oxytocin the hormones to help you establish milk supply so expressing is really important you've got to do the job your baby would be doing if they were able and doing it frequently and doing it well to help establish your milk supply I think um you're right there about mixed feeding I think that actually that's sometimes that's put on parents without explaining um how to get themselves out of that situation so it's really common that you know babies um lose some weight that maybe breastfeeding's not going the way you hoped in those early days and it's suggested oh okay something's not quite right here we need to feed your baby absolutely bottom line is always you have to feed the baby but what we're not so great at is saying how can we feed this baby and actually that might look like can you express and give some express breast milk to a baby from a syringe if it's in really small volumes uh, from a cup if baby's able to cup feed um yes from a bottle that is also an option there are other options beside that that are not always discussed with parents you know can we express and increase your milk supply um does it need does it need to be formula and in some cases absolutely it does but then the education and support around how that formula use will impact your milk supply if you're not expressing to uh, replace those feeds that baby isn't doing at the breast how and that might impact your baby in terms of they sometimes um go a bit longer between feeds when they're trying to digest formula if they've had more than they would normally have at the breast kind of fills them all up they're like a bit oh can't got to do all this digesting of this milk and so actually it's not one feed you miss it's two it's two feeds that you miss and your body will conserve energy and not make milk when it does need to so if there's uh, the message isn't going in to make milk it will down regulate supply and especially in those two weeks when we're trying to set it up it's not what we want to be doing and I think that actually it's about the support around that so so if breastfeeding isn't going the way that that you would like and your baby isn't thriving and you uh, need to feed the baby 
How are we going to protect your journey and protect your supply? So giving the support around identifying why this journey is not going the right way. What is causing this? Is it something that we can give some support with and fix? Is it something that needs addressing like a potential tongue tie? Um, and how are we going to protect and um, the supply whilst we're addressing that for this family? It's not just, oh, okay, your baby's not gaining weight. Let's give some formula and leave that family in that situation because that is potentially causing more issues for them yeah I think that's so important to realize and also you know it's so important to speak up and uh, advocate for yourself or have somebody else advocate for you you know if, if exclusively breastfeeding is really important to you it's something you really want to do and you're not 100% sure of the advice you've been given um towards feeding your baby if they do maybe have some weight issues you know, speak up ask questions going is this the only route mm. that we have is this, is this the only um action that we can take or is there something mm. else that we can do because yeah. um you know we have to be aware as well that not all our healthcare providers are um <laughs> do have oh, breastfeeding yeah. training and they can mm. come with their own bias mm -hmm. as well so um it's important to um to be aware of that as well yeah I think that's so difficult you know as a as a parent if you're told that your baby's not thriving and doing well you're you want to follow the advice of the professional, you know, suddenly they're the expert in the room, whereas actually you're the expert in what you want to do. And you're right. If you, ex if you want to exclusively breastfeed, then how do we support you to, to reach that goal? And it, it might not look the way you thought right now, but how do we help you get back to as close as that as possible and sometimes along this journey parents will decide actually I do want to do a bit of both or this is how I want it to look fine that's your call but it's about having the information and the evidence to be able to inform your decision so that you are not put in a position where you think oh if I'd realized that I would have done something differently or to feel that we started on a road we went down and we couldn't get back to where we wanted to be you know that's yeah. not that's not fair I wanted to take a little break in this episode to tell you more about our sponsors El Tuto and their range of nursing chairs. From rocking chairs and glider chairs to recliner chairs and electric recliner chairs, El Tuto have a range of chairs available in stylish colours and premium fabrics. Their nursery chairs are built to last and to be cherished in the family home for many years. Use the code BOOB20 to get an amazing 20% off El Tuto's premium comfy nursery chairs. Simply visit eltudo.co.uk and enter the code at the checkout. One of the things that you said earlier was about how some of us may perceive a small chested person to mm. produce less milk. And that's so true. And it still dominates today. There was a, an Instagram reel that I read and it was a, she's a breastfeeding mummy and she's breastfed all three of her kids and she is very small chested and she regularly gets comments going how can you breastfeed she's a bit big platform I should add so um you know with the big platform often comes a lot of um criticism but you know she's been asked time and again how can how have you been able to breastfeed with such a small chest so that myth still still mm. um exists and I even remember my own mom who breastfed me but she often is amazed that people who are you know, what we consider to be quite flat chested are able to breastfeed. I says, mm. mom, something to do with the size so with, of your breast. No. So you're right. And it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? That that still sort of, we think that, that big boobs mean more milk, <laughs> big breasts mean more milk. And it's, it really isn't the case. It does come down to the amount of glandular tissue that you have. And there's no way that you know that as a, as a human being, we can't measure that. Um, 
larger breasts generally mean more adipose fat tissue. And I'm not saying you've got fat breasts. It's just how we store fat as women is really different. Some of us store it on our chests. Some of us store it on our hips. You know, if I lose weight, the first place it goes from is my chest. And can I get it off my hips? No, I cannot. And yet, you know, other people, um, yeah, it's, it's different, isn't it, for everybody? But what this comes down to is um, capacity as well. So when you've got glandular tissue and more glandular tissue where the milk making cells sit, uh, you potentially have got more ability to make more milk. But we've also got different storage capacities in our breasts. So if your breasts are able to store milk between the times that your baby feeds, it's like your baby's got a bit of a reservoir. So when they go to the breast, they're getting all the milk that's being made on that demand and supply. So they go, they're telling the brain, make and release milk. So that's what happens. But they're accessing that little reservoir that's been stored inside your breast. So sometimes what we see with babies where mums have got a larger storage capacity is they may only want to feed from one breast. They have a good feed and they're quite settled. They don't necessarily need to go and feed really frequently. They might go a longer stretch between a breastfeed. They don't always, yeah, want both breasts um, and yeah, these are the babies that, you know, might do longer stretches at night just because they're getting quite a large volume of milk at once. Now, if you've got a smaller capacity for storing milk, it doesn't mean you're not making milk. You can make exactly the same volume of milk as a mum with a large capacity. Your baby just accesses it in really different ways. So that baby is only getting milk that the brain is saying, oh, yeah, baby's feeding, release the milk. So they get a smaller volume in that sitting. So they might need to have the other breast at the same time. You know, when they finish the first one, they might even need to go back and and have another round on the, on the first breast they started on. And it might be that in an hour, an hour and a half, two hours time, they're like, I'm hungry again and I need some more. And we interpret sometimes that frequency of feeding as meaning oh, I must not be making enough milk. And that's why we need to look at other data here. So how well is your baby growing? Are they generally content and happy? Um, yeah, weight, weight gain, grow, growth, happiness of your baby. And so sometimes when you're told, oh, are you feeding again? It makes you worry that that's the wrong thing to be doing um, and that there must be something wrong. And in some cases, it's not. The other thing here is that often... We are then told that if we let our breasts fill up and, and, and store that milk, that the baby will feed better, they'll take more milk, and then they'll go longer between a feed. And that advice is not going to cut it for a mum that's got a smaller milk capacity, because actually what you're doing is downregulating your supply by not letting your baby feed as frequently as they need to feed. Trying to schedule feeds is definitely one of the common causes of lowering milk supply, thinking, no, they can't possibly be hungry. I'm going to wait four hours. No, historically, mums were told that feed from one breast, wait four hours, feed from the other. Fine, maybe for those mums that had bigger milk capacity. For those babies that didn't have access to that, they struggled and, and didn't thrive. And then, yes, you know, you, you end up doing something else to feed your baby. So, yeah, I hope that's explained that. <laughs> no, I know it's 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 great the way you explained that. And also, I think it's just the big takeaway here is to be responsive to your baby. And, you know, we talk mm -hmm. all about that. It used to be called demand feeding. Now we call it responsive feeding. Responsive Isn't feeding. that right? Because it sounds a bit nicer. Respond to your baby, just like us humans. There's sometimes we're hungrier than others. Yeah, and I there's forget that. Yeah. And then there's, mm. you know, our babies, just like, you know, we don't, okay, maybe some of us like to feed on a scheduled breakfast, lunch, dinner, but a lot of us, no, we don't, you know, we maybe need some days we're like, oh God, I, I need a couple of snacks today to get mm. me through today. Mm. And uh, other days you could go a long stretch without any food, 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and just and breastfeeding is not breastfeeding is not just about calories, is it? It is about the attachment to us, the security from us, the warmth, the connection. You know, they do go and just have a, a bit of a suckle to help them settle off to sleep. So they're not always taking the same amount of milk every time they go there. And so we don't know. And we we almost need to not put only the priority on how much we're feeding our baby it's about the relationship that you've got with your baby through breastfeeding and actually that's brilliant for you you know sometimes you just want to sit down and have a really good cuddle with your baby and put your feet up you know and bring your baby to your your chest if they want to feed great it's it's so much more than just milk and so um we forget that and so when we think oh gosh they fed 12 times today they're not necessarily taking you know the same amount of milk but each of those 12 times it's it's more than just calories yeah and the next time somebody says is baby feeding again you can be like and so what so they feed for more than just milk it's getting that message across but unfortunately some people are a bit slow in the uptake with that but yes certainly with once it came to having my second baby I was so much more relaxed about it I wasn't Mm -hmm. I must say even with my first child I fed I did I did responsively feed but I was also very keen to kind of go those three-hour stretches in between you know I just thought this this is this is where this is the ultimate goal here and then with second baby I was like what am I worried about (laughs) what am I worried about let's just feed when baby needs feed and I get to have a little rest and a snuggle as you say it's more than just milk and it's that realization that can be so comforting and also so freeing as well Yeah, there's, that's where your confidence comes from, isn't it? It's knowing what signs you're looking for that say that your baby's doing well outside of the noise that we hear from society that they should be sleeping long stretches, which isn't true, that they you know, shouldn't be signaling to be with us, which isn't true. You know, If we can drown out that noise and lean into, actually, my baby's weeing, they're pooing, they're gaining weight, they look content and happy, um, yeah, then you can have more confidence in the fact that what you're doing is working. <laughs> Alice, if you could tell us in what ways people can help boost their milk supply for the successful continuation of breastfeeding. Sure. So I think this is about if you have established that there is an issue with low milk supply. So it's so, you know, is this if you've got some data to show you that, you know, how what's baby's weight gain doing? Is it with it? within or not within the normal um what we would expect for babies to be gaining weight for the age that they are and you are concerned that this is a milk supply um issue then we need to make sure we're addressing the reasons behind why your baby's got low milk supply because some of the things that we can do to help increase our milk supply won't work if the root cause is that your baby's not feeding effectively so we have to just bear that all in mind But for example, if it's been because baby hasn't been feeding frequently enough and your milk supply has dipped, then increasing the amount of time that you're feeding can help. I would say that the first thing any parent needs to do in this kind of situation is get your baby skin to skin. Skin to skin is like nature's reset button. So unsettled babies, issues with milk supply, everything's got off to a bad start. Let's just try and start again and let's strip your baby off, get them skin to skin, snuggle them down, keep them close. That's the best way to start getting all those hormones, the prolactin, the oxytocin, the hormones that are involved in helping you make and deliver milk to your baby. Let's get them going and primed. And also just carrying your baby, having your baby near to you, keeping them close. You're more likely to pick up on those subtle little cues that they do that they need to feed. Oh, he's actually looking around. Oh, actually, he's getting his hand to his mouth. You're more prepared and able to feed them when they're showing you those cues early on. So, yes, skin to skin, keeping your baby nice and close and then trying to make sure that you're offering the breast more frequently so that you're upping the stimulation to the breast. Now, you could try something called switch feeding here if you feel that your milk's 
supply has dipped a little bit and you want to try and increase it, then a bit of switch feeding can help. Now, this is one of the scenarios where you absolutely have to have a baby that's feeding effectively because otherwise um, it's not going to make any difference at all. They've got to be able to remove the milk effectively here. So what you would do is you offer um, a feed, you start a feed and you wait for that first bit, you know, where they're really sort of drinking and gulping the milk. You can hear them swallowing. Then as that settles a little bit and they're kind of sucking, but not swallowing quite so much, you take them off and you put them on the other side because the letdown one side is stimulated the letdown the other side. So you're going to catch a bit more of a faster flowing milk. So you put them on the other side and you let them, oh, yeah, I'll have a little bit more. And again, when that then slows and settles, you swap them back to the other side. And what you would do just for, say, 24 hours, you shouldn't need to do it more than this. And it's really important, really, that you don't do it for very, very long, like ongoing and ongoing, because we want babies to be accessing the right balance of milks and feeding responsively. You just switch every, you know, every few minutes during a feed for 24 hours, you switch. And what happens here is that frequency of the latch on, the latch off tells the brain that your baby's like having a gross spurt, frequently feeding and you need to make more milk. It takes a little bit of time for your milk supply to kind of catch up, but a little bit of switch nursing can sometimes help. If your baby's not feeding brilliantly or there's an issue like tongue tie, you can replicate this with a pump. And so you might want to... Um, Try and do some expressing after your baby has fed to try and almost tell the body, no, I, I am removing this milk. My baby would be removing this milk if they can feed more effectively to help sort of maintain your supply. But also a bit of power pumping is where you recreate that switch feeding with a pump. So you'd put your pump on for say 10 minutes or so and then you rest for 10 minutes and then you go another 10 minutes and then you rest and then you go again at 10 minutes and what you're doing is like a little cycle where on and off on and off and on and off to create that demand ideally here a double pump is brilliant because it stimulates your milk supply a bit better and it doesn't have to save you some time and really key to make sure that things like your pump flange fits properly gentle massage while you're pumping to help stimulate the milk to flow can really really help um, and then the other thing I would say is just like, where can you take some stress out of your out of your world? Because when you're worried about your baby feeding effectively, it massively impacts the hormones and you can get yourself in this awful vicious cycle where your milk isn't released in the same way. So baby's not feeding. And yeah. So can we um, almost like a baby moon? Let's get baby skin to skin. Go to bed. Put your favorite box set on. Get some nice food and some drink. Get people to bring you a drink in an insulated mug, and just focus on. I'm just going to cuddle my baby, and I'm just going to feed my baby when they show that they need to be fed. We're going to do loads of cuddling, learning, and being with my baby, um, and feeding frequently, free access to the breast so they can feed when they want. Those would be the best things I would say for sort of increasing your milk supply. I I often say here it's like an ice cream sundae, that you need all the ingredients at the beginning to make a good ice cream sundae. And so ice cream and cream is essential component of that. And that's the bit that is frequent and effective feeding. Now you can get lots of nice little toppings on your ice cream sundae, like sauce and sprinkles. And those things might be things like good nutrition, eating well, and um, things that we often talk about that might increase your milk supply. So like fenugreek or other, what we call galactagods, herbs, um, you know, foods that we can eat that might increase our milk supply. But those things are the sprinkles. Those things won't work unless all the foundation of your ice cream sundaes there. So that effective, frequent feeding and getting it going well is most important about increasing your milk supply.
Yeah. So many great tips there, Alice. So many great tips. Thank you for sharing. And I'm glad that you mentioned that at the end, the the, the food aspect, you know, people think, well, maybe if I, if I eat this product that's supposed to be good, then that will, you know, magically increase my milk supply. Mm. It's that quick fix. We all, we yeah. all love a quick fix, don't yeah, we? I get it. I get mm. it. You know, but unfortunately, you need to be, you need to if you really do think you have low milk supply if you say you know you've looked at the you've looked at the statistics and um you know this is an issue that you're having you need to put the work in you need to do the frequent feeding try the switch feeding as you say skin to skin oh my goodness doesn't even take that much effort and it's lovely to do mm-hmm. um you know it's all and and remembering again it's about demand and supply the more often that you feed your baby the more milk that you should be producing mm-hmm. um but we also see a lot of ads at the minute for like lactation cookies and like lactation mm-hmm. drinks and these will help your milk supply and um you know work away if, if that's gonna if yeah. that's gonna give you you know sometimes it's the power of the yeah. mind as well it helps as well if you think it's gonna help sometimes that's the confidence bit but you're absolutely right I mean not very long ago I remember seeing an advert from um a company that was selling some lactation cookies for 17 pound a box I mean what on earth is in I'd want somebody to come and feed my baby for me for 17 pounds a box there's the, the research just isn't there. And we know that, you know, different cultures and these things can, they can help, but the quantity of what you'd need to make a difference is quite significant and not as much as they put in a cookie. And so, yeah, it can help if you think I'm, I'm doing everything I possibly can to try and help increase it. That is a, that's about taking the stress away from you, from you, knowing that you're doing what you can. But what I'd say here as well is, is that if you're trying these things, And it doesn't feel like it's working and it can take a bit of time, but just if it doesn't feel like it's having the effect, it might not, it might be that we haven't identified the root cause of why you've got a a low milk supply. And so you need some skilled support. Is this an issue with baby not feeding correctly? Or is this a maternal issue? There's something going on, hormones, glandular tissue. Is there something we haven't identified here that could be um, the root cause of this? Because it's going to make a difference to the kind of support and the outcomes for you if we can identify that quickly and put a plan in place. Yeah, getting to that root cause and seeking mm. out the best breastfeeding support you can, whether that's going, you know, seeking out the services of an IBCLC such as yourself or, you know, phoning your local breastfeeding helpline and you speaking to somebody and um, just airing your concerns. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's the start. That's the start of it. That's the start mm. of, um, of of getting the help that you really need. Um, but thank you so much, Alice, for sharing those amazing tips with us all. I'm sure lots of people will find that really, really helpful and informative. Good. Good. I hope that helps somebody who's worried today about the milk supply say, okay, let's, let's do a reset. Let's start again and see what can I do that's going to make a difference. So yeah, I hope that helps. Thank you to El Tuto for sponsoring the Moving A Podcast. You can check out El Tuto's full range of rockers, gliders and electric recliners online as there'll be a nursery chair that's beautiful, supportive and comfortable waiting to complement your nursery. Remember to use the code BOO20 at the checkout for 20% off their entire range, excluding any other offer or discount code. The BOO20 code ends 25th of December 2023. See their terms and conditions page for more details.
thank you for listening to this episode. You can find out the latest breastfeeding news and information on boobingit.com. And you can also join the Boobing It community on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See you in the next show.